You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Alexa, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, I think is the other one, wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, yet we are gearing up for the regular season that's coming up media days in about a month or so. We've got the schedule out mid-October. We know everything that's going to go down, at least in terms of scheduling. And we're here to break that down a little bit more for you all today. We went over some of the basic numbers behind the schedule yesterday. The back-to-backs, the number of miles traveled, rest advantage, rest disadvantage, true rest advantage. Thank you. Positive residual for that. As well as a couple of other things in the in the Pelicans needing to get out to a good start. 1-11 three years ago, 2-10 the year after that, before 6-6 six six this past season. You got to get out to a good start in this tough Western Conference. So we covered that. That's important. We know this. But where are there going to be some other tough stretches for New Orleans throughout the 2018-2019 NBA season? We're going to take a look at that. We're going to kind of go month by month and break things down. I don't think it's actually that bad. I think overall the schedule is pretty good, but we'll look at some of the toughest stretches, what the Pelicans really are going to need to have going for them at that point if they want to kind of survive that. And then, inspired by my throwback question to you guys yesterday, someone mentioned a name. We'll mention him in the second half, and maybe we'll do our first ever Remember That Dude segment here where we talk about someone who was kind of fun. This guy was really fun, to be honest. I really think so. He seems like a goofball, but he probably wasn't. Probably was a pretty smart dude. Um, And so I'll bring that up, that someone said they still, that's their favorite throwback player, and I think that's, that's a heck of a choice. But you know what? He's got really one impressive highlight moment that you guys probably are still going to remember. We'll talk about him in the second half of today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So we're continuing our look at the New Orleans Pelicans schedule. And today we're going to look at some really tough stretches of it. Tomorrow we'll look at some really easy stretches for the Pelicans and where they can do the most damage. But there are some pitfalls in here. And let's just dive into it because the first one's right off the bat. And we talked about this yesterday. You get that game against Houston. Then you get four games at home against three lottery teams before going on the road for a five-game road trip against borderline playoff teams at worst in this scenario. You're at Denver on Monday, October 29th, then going up to Golden State on Wednesday on the 31st, Halloween. Then you've got November 1st, back-to-back at Portland, then the uh, Saturday, November 3rd at San Antonio before finishing up Monday, November 5th against Oklahoma City. That is a rough five-game stretch to start the year. Denver is improved. They were a borderline playoff team last year, missing it out by just one game on the final day of the regular season. They're getting all of a sudden some healthy guys back. You add in at least um, Porter Jr. is not going to be playing, likely. I actually don't know. Um, We should probably look that up as we get closer to it. But they're improved. It's as simple as that. If they can still play some defense, they're going to be a tough out. Golden State's Golden State. Portland, the Pelicans handled 
absolutely in the playoffs, but you know they're going to be hungry for some revenge in the first matchup between these two teams in the regular season. And Portland, again, was the higher seed for a reason. They had a bit of an easier schedule last year, but they still have Damian Lillard. They still have CJ uh, McCollum, and these guys aren't an easy out. But if the Pelicans continue the form against them that they carried over, for, uh, if they carry it over from the playoffs, uh, certainly they're going to get that victory. San Antonio is still going to be a good team. I don't think it's as simple as saying you're adding DeMar DeRozan to this team because your your offense changes, but they were a playoff team last year. They didn't do anything. They didn't do much with it. They were maybe a borderline playoff team at best, but you are adding talent and you've got to just trust Coach Popovich to kind of handle it. Simple as that. Same with Oklahoma City. They've lost Melo. Maybe that is kind of addition by subtraction. They still have Paul George, so that's going to make them still very, very tough. Five on the road like that with a back-to-back in there, definitely not an easy way to start the regular season. When looking at the schedule and trying to make some way too early predictions, let's kind of throw that out there. You get to a stretch in the second half of January that's rough. The beginning part of January against Brooklyn, against Cleveland, against Memphis, against Cleveland, the first four games that take you through January 9th, pretty good. You can win all four of those. I think Memphis is going to be much improved, but again, Cleveland twice and Brooklyn, even with two of those on the road. I'm not overly worried about that stretch. It's what happens through the rest of January into a bit of February, which is where you're like, oh wait, this might be a little bit hard. And again, it starts off with a big five-game road trip. January 12th, that Saturday, you're at Minnesota. Then you're on the road Monday against the Lakers on the 14th. Wednesday, back up to Golden State to play them on January 16th. Friday, January 18th at Portland. Get a bit of a break at the end of that road trip, maybe against Memphis. But all of a sudden, that's your fifth road game. And Memphis, is, if they're healthy, still has Gustal, still has Conley. They become a little bit harder to beat. Then you do get a home game against Detroit that's maybe a borderline Eastern Conference playoff team that doesn't make them good. But then you go back on the road for one game to Oklahoma City on the second night of a back-to-back before coming back, playing San Antonio, then getting on the road again at Houston. Then you get Denver at home on the road again to San Antonio and then back home against Indiana on February 4th. That is a rough stretch of games with a long road trip to start it off and then one-off road trips, one of them being a back-to-back. Not going to be an easy stretch there. If they can survive that or go 500, you have to figure this Pelicans team is going to be in good position because that middle of the stretch, and we'll talk more about this tomorrow from, say, mid-December on, actually kind of easy for them, so it kind of balances itself out right there. So overall, the schedule just isn't that bad for the Pelicans. And again, we'll talk more about the real good parts of it. And there's a couple of them tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast. But the Pelicans did well in the schedule this year. No, no thanks to themselves, I guess. But the NBA, thank you. But this is definitely a good thing for New Orleans. You don't have any of those brutal stretches. Of course, we saw the terrible stretch of five games and six nights, whatever it was last season, which they did really well in too. So I think if they carry over the mindset that they had last year, now that even if they carried over now that Rondo's gone, and certainly he was a big part of adding it to them, they can do quite well um, in any stretch. And I don't think they're scared of going 
going on the road and facing multiple playoff game, uh, former playoff teams. I think you saw they weren't scared going into Portland and winning the two games there to start their playoff series last year. They didn't really shy away from Golden State on the road in those first two games of the second round either, even though they didn't end up really doing well and, you know, uh, getting one win, I guess, is considered a big victory there. But they're not scared to go on the road. They showed that mental toughness, that resiliency that we had not seen, that we had not seen in years past from this New Orleans Pelicans team. So it was good to see. And if they can carry that over, these two stretches, which aren't that bad, you know, you can maybe withstand some of the early season stuff. It's that longer stretch from the second half of January to the beginning of February that's a little rough. But again, if they carry over the mental toughness, it's not like they're going to go 0 and 10 or anything like that. If you can stay, you know, 4 and 6 over a 10 game period, that can be enough to kind of weather a storm till you get to the easier part of your schedule and that in and of itself is a very good thing. So I mentioned it yesterday. I'm going to mention it again. Don't forget about the Locked on Saints podcast Monday through Friday, 5 days a week giving you everything you need to know. Look, it's preseason. It's terrible, terrible football that doesn't really tell you a whole lot. So listen to an expert who tells you what's important and what isn't so you can go and do other things with your night. And then during the regular season when it's all going down and things are important and things do matter, he can keep you informed so that you can be the smartest fan possible. Make sure you listen to Locked on Saints Monday through Friday. So I asked about your favorite throwback stuff yesterday, and we had a couple of good answers, and I know some are still trickling in. Of course, the Buccaneers, the ABA uniforms and everything, which is something the Pelicans have never really sold in the team shop or done anything with, would be a great throwback. Didn't Larry Brown coach that team, I believe? At some point, my ABA knowledge is lacking. But there's some fun stuff, and also that logo of a pirate dribbling a basketball with a sword is pretty damn awesome. And I would kill to see an Anthony Davis Buccaneers jersey. That would be really cool, but it's not used, so we're kind of limited in the options that we have. But one name that got thrown out there on Twitter, which was really fun, was Aaron Gray. Remember that dude? And this comes from B Tahada one on Twitter, and he said, Aaron Gray, and that just got me thinking because, as we all know, there's a very big moment with Aaron Gray, and he's got kind of a very like infamous thing here for the New Orleans basketball, professional basketball franchise. Go back all the way to 2011. We're in a time machine here. The Pelicans are up in the Western Conference first round, game one, 45 to 38 over the Los Angeles Lakers. There's two minutes and 28 seconds to go. Carl Landry, that's another, remember that dude, dude, dude. Um, remember that guy, guy, I don't even know what you would call that, the candidate that maybe we'll have to talk about at some point, has the ball and he's kind of trapped on the left elbow, the left free throw line extended or so. Passes the ball out to Chris Paul at the top of the three-point line, who just one hand, it's like a quick stick in lacrosse or like a quick thing where it's just you one-time it almost. Gets the ball, his hand's already back, and it's kind of then going forward and just rifles a pass into Aaron Gray, Aaron Gray, who then kind of moves around a little bit down low, scores on a, you know a bunny layup, and Chris Paul gets an assist. And the crazy thing is when you look at the replays of it and you look at Aaron Gray's eyes, they just get huge. Because all of a sudden, this pass just comes screaming in. It's like a damn touchdown pass, frozen rope. We can use 
any sort of cliches on this thing, and it works. And Greg can't believe this ball's climbing to him that quickly. Also, Chris Paul threads the needle between something like three Lakers defenders on this pass, and no one is expecting it. Yeah, it's three or four guys, really. Um, he scores over Andrew Bynum. That's another remember that dude um, type of play here. So it's pretty wild what goes on there. And again, Aaron Gray's eyes are just kind of funny to see. Aaron Gray, the seven-foot center out of the University of Pittsburgh, who played like one and a half seasons here in New Orleans, was traded in the 2009-2010 season from Chicago, uh, played eight games. Uh, no, sorry, 24 games. There we go. Averaging, by the way, 3.6 points per game. The next season, 41 games, played six starts, 13 minutes per game, averaged 3.1 points per game and 4.2 rebounds. It's actually, now I think about it, I'm curious to see what the per 36-minute numbers were in that regular season. 8.7 points and 11.6 rebounds. Not terrible. After that, he was let go and signed with Toronto before finishing out his career with Sacramento. So again, remember that dude. But I have a funny story about him. It was that year, that playoff year, the 2010-2011 season, was my first year with Pelican season tickets. And about halfway through that year is when I started writing about the team. And I told that story earlier on uh, this summer, this offseason on the podcast. But they do these season ticket holder appreciation events. And that year, it was, I believe, at Harrah's. It was either at Harrah's or it was um, at like one of the hotels on Poydras. But I think it was at Harrah's. And it's the it's where they did the taste of New Orleans. The players used to serve you food. They'd kind of be at a stand. You take like a bowl up and you get, you know, uh, some crawfish etouffee or something like that. And Aaron Gray was there. And I had a buddy of mine from college whose uncle played basketball at Duke with Aaron Gray's uncle or father or something like that. This is how little I remember and also how just unimportant it was. But he told me that Aaron Gray's uncle, I think it was his uncle, came over to their house for dinner one night or something like that. Um, to spend some time and have dinner with the family. And then his uncle got so drunk that he tried to p play piano. He was also just a huge dude, sat on the piano bench, broke it, and then kind of fell through the piano bench at my buddy's house. This is, again, Aaron Gray's uncle. And so I went up to Aaron Gray that night, and I was like, hey, man, what's up? And I go, you want to hear? So you, I got a funny story about your uncle. You want some like dirt on him? And he's like, oh, hell yeah. So I told him the story. His immediate reaction is after laughing was, yep, sounds exactly like my uncle. So the Gray family sound like awesome dudes that you would want to hang out with because they're a lot of fun at house parties, but just don't let them sit on your nice furniture. So Aaron Gray, the, the star of our inaugural Remember That Dude segment. So that'll do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Tomorrow, we will keep looking at the schedule, breaking it all down for you. The easy stretches for the Pelicans here. And maybe if someone really wants, we can do another Remember That Dude thing because that was kind of fun. Aaron Gray, just that bullet pass from Chris Paul. I remember it was awesome. And then him, his eyes not really believing that this was happening. And you can kind of see him in the moment just being like, don't screw this up. And he didn't. He scored over Andrew Bynum, just kind of weird bit of Pelicans history right there. Hornets history, I guess. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.